February 16th, 2024. If you count from top of the Amud down, it's 13 lines down. First word of the line, Vehatanya. The Gemara is following up on the statement of Shimuel, which we addressed yesterday in its initial stages. The Gemara has some more lines, a little bit more discussion with regards to his statement. If you recall, Shemuel made the following claim. When it comes to Ari, when it comes to a lion which attacks, there's a difference between if it attacks and uh, eats its prey while the prey is still alive, or if it kills it and then eats from it. The understanding of Shemuel, based on his animal knowledge, which Mars is still not followed up for us in explaining to us the reality and today's day and age is that lions, their derech, their orach of the Lashon of the Gemara is to attack and to devour before actually killing the prey. As opposed to killing the prey and then eating, that would be sheloka derech, that's lav orche. And the difference is very significant, which means to say if it's the normal way that the animal would do it, then the hiyuv, the obligation, would only be in reshut anizak, in the uh, private domain of the person who owns the animal which was attacked. Why? Because in that situation we would call that shin. Shin birshut rabim is patur, shin birshut anizak is hayav nezik shalim. If, however, the animal, the lion, attacks, kills, and then eats, that's lav orche, that's not the normal fashion. If it does it, birshut rabim or birshut yahid halichalachal ma'aseh, according to hachamim, is going to be half payment. Why half payment? That's kerim, that's the not normal way of doing things. The bottom line again is there's a difference between killing and then eating and eating before killing for a lion, one considered abnormal, the other one considered normal. It in turn has a distinction whether we consider it kerin or shen. Says the Gemara Vehatanya, we have a beraita. Vechen this beraita seems to be a very clear contradiction to the statement of Shemuel. Why so? Well, this statement in the beraita is talking about a haya, wild animal. It sounds as if it's all-inclusive, meaning even lions. Okay, so it entered into a private domain. It killed the animal. And then it ate its flesh. Pause for a second. Shemuel, according to you, any situation where a lion were to do that, that's called kerin. That would be mishalem hatzinezik. And yet the halacha is, says this beraita, mishalem nezik shalem. How do you explain that, Shemuel? If haya, which is a wild animal, an undomesticated animal, is all-inclusive, assuming even ari, even a lion is a part of that, why is the halacha in this situation mishalem nezek shalem? We should consider this kerin, which is the nezek mishuneh, as opposed to shen, which is the darkobekach. What's that? Aha. So the suggestion of some is Jeffrey and others, and Nathan, Judah's off his game because this is Judah's Rabbi Tarfon, is that maybe we're dealing with a private property. Private property is what it says. Hatzir Hanizak. If it's a private property, even if we're to consider it kerin which is mishune, which is abnormal, according to Rabbi Tarfon, keren bershuta nizak, if I bring my dog onto your property and it attacks on your property, it should be liable for full payment. Tosafot addresses this on the right-hand side. Tosafot says, uh, where's the Tosafot? One second, there's a Tosafot on this. Vehatanya, no, uh, yes. 
the fourth one. Vehatanya, yeah. Vehatanya vechen haya. Says Tosafot. Okay, uh, it's in, in the middle of it here. Uh, so that's okay. four lines into it. The second word on the line says Tosafot vilahava masele shanuye. And we cannot suggest that this beraita is tarfon atya. It's found the opinion of Rabbi Tarfon de Amar. He told us earlier, he'll tell us again later, according to Rabbi Tarfon, even if it's the abnormal way of attacking, in this situation being a lion and ari, which is toref, which means it kills prior to eating, that's keren. But it's Bereshut Nizak, it's on the property of another, it should be a full payment. Why not? Because the Gemara in its final lines will tell us that the context of this Biraita is in the context of Shin, which means to say, put it in our, converse, our language, the class was on Shin. The class was not on Kerim. The, the address in Halakha was, I'm not going to discuss Halachot of Kerim with you. I'm going to explain the laws of Shin, which means to say that this is being treated as normal action. No, in other words, for sure, but again, it ne- without us knowing the context, we could have said it is abnormal. It, oh, okay, you have an answer already. I don't want your answer. We're working on a different answer right now. That's, you play, I, I say it all the time. Eli's absent, and everyone steps up to play. But anyway, in short, so, you know, but the, the context of this beraita, the heading of this beraita, so to speak, is the laws of shame. You can't suggest as a result that this is really talking about a kid, and, but just because it's Birshut Nizak and we're following Rabbi Tarfur, it's not a good suggestion because the context of this Biraita, which we know, and the Gemara will tell us later on, is that of Shem. So the Gemara has a question. You have an answer potentially, but the Gemara has a question. How could this be? The Biraita tells us that all wild animals, it sounds like, even when they killed, we call that Tarfa, and then eight are going to be Meshalem, Nezik Shalem, again, and with a Hiyuv of Shem as opposed to kid, and answers the Gemara, hacha b'may askinan shetarfa lehaniyah. Instead of giving it to the lioness, oh, you're such a good husband, uh, we have to tell her back up. Yes. The Gemara, and kids, a good father as well. Now the Gemara says, perhaps the situation is a killed in order to store. Remember that was one of the suggestions as well. The Gemara challenged yesterday at the end of class from Pasuk in Nahum, where we saw that lions seem to sometimes kill. They place it in their horim in order to store away. They save it for their lavi, for their uh, lioness. They save it for their gorim, for their children. They save it sometimes for their ma'on, for their living room. But specifically the Gemara, one of four suggests it's a situation where it killed it in order to save it. Aha, good question. One second. This statement, both of you along the same line making such a claim. Look at the words though over here. It says, V'chen haya shenichnesa lechatzer, and the words we began, hanizak, tarfa behema ve'achla basar. It sounds as if the context is such that it's eating it. So it's not per se, I mean, you could suggest... It's going to be different. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that you wouldn't have an obligation of shin then. It's not doing it for its own benefit. Um, the words are that it did it in order to eat, which is going to be our challenge over here. But you're right, it's a decent answer. It's not going to fit, but neither is this answer. In other words, the words are it's to eat, and it wouldn't be shin, wouldn't, wouldn't fit context. What's that? They can't store, then the hyenas come, and the vultures come, and all the animals come I await you and Morris providing our National Geographic and uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, well, as soon as you tell me and teach me that, we'll, we'll challenge the Gemara accordingly. Cheetah stores up the tree. 
Sure, if you say so. Anyway, says the Gemara, asked the Gemara, that's not a sufficient answer. Ha, achala katane. Quote unquote, the word achala, the, the, the Baraita says achala. It says it ate it. So it means that it, it says the Gemara, all right, that's right. It did eat it. Let me tell you what happened. Bishinim necha ve'achla. The situation is such that the animal attacked, killed, with the mindset of storing, aha, hayav, well, hayav what? It was with the mindset of storing, nezek shalem, that's shin, but then it changed its mind and it ate it. The lion's mind changed. Says the Gemara, I know, I know. Says the Gemara, Mina Yadainan. How are we going to figure this one out? You're going to tell me that the owner of the lion is Hayav Nezek Shalem because we can appraise the mindset of the lion that when it attacked, its purpose was to store, but then it changed its mind. Come on, Mina Yadainan. Are we mind readers? Are we, uh, are we uh, I don't know, Alan Mallers? We know the minds of, of lions. Ve'od, and furthermore, says the Gemara, Dishmuel Namedil Mahachehu. It says the Gemara, furthermore, Shimuel, who started this whole conversation for us yesterday, told us there's a distinction between and it kills and when it just attacks and eats before killing. Oh, maybe I should tell you it's always Hayav Nezek Shalim because even when it killed, maybe its mindset was to store and only then it decided to eat. Oh, you can't give me such an answer. So we're still stuck. Shimuel, you distinguished between when a lion is toref, which means it kills and then eats, and dores, which means it just attacks and then eats before killing. It eats its evim in a high. And this beraita seems to tell us there is no difference, there's no distinction. Amar Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak litzdadin katane. The suggestion of Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak is what's called litzdadin. Litzdadin means I have a, a two words in this beraita. Instead of reading them together, split them and understand them separately. How so? Let's read the beraita one more time. Beraita said the following. Vechen, the words we began the class with. hanizak. So far, those words are clear. It describes the animal entered into someone else's property. Good. We assume that was all one fell swoop uh, statement. It says that it attacked the animal and killed it and then ate the meat. Don't read it like that. Instead, read it like this, what's called litzdadin, tarefa behema. If it attacked the animal and killed it and stored it, add an extra word, or it attacked it without killing it and ate it, in those situations, nezik shalim. That's not an easy answer, but it works. Again, the words in the I say a sentence too. I say there's an animal that attacked and killed and ate. So, Rabbi, what, was that one story? It attacked and killed and then ate? Or was it an attacked and killed? One situation. Or if it ate it without attacking and killing, in those two situations, you hayav nezik shalim. Do you understand? We're splitting. What's that? That's the right, that's right, that's the halacha. But again, instead of it being a case where it attacked, killed, and then ate, it's attacked and killed and stored, or it attacked and, ki- and didn't kill and ate, that's what we call litzdadin. We split these words in the beraita up. So again, Amar of Nachman bar Yitzhak, litzdadin katane. The beraita is teaching litzdadin and needs to be read on two sides. In other words, two separate statements. Number one, shetarefa lehaniach. When it said that it attacked and killed, that was when it attacked and killed and did store away. Or, add in, so to speak, the word, or, if an attack doesn't kill, just uh, pounces on it and eats, in both of those two situations, Charlie Mishalemit, Nezek Shalem, there's a full liability. That's Shin, that's not Kaden. Just a technical question. What's the difference between 
Hasurim, over here, you're not really at, you're only adding the word o, but you're not even really adding the word o. You're reading the vav, you're reading the word, what's that? You're adding lahaniyah, but in other words, tarefa, you're kind of reading as tarefa or achela. Tarefa means if you just say it attacked and killed, what else are you doing with it? Uh, it could, by the way, be also, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be shame. Yeah, it's, it's to store. Hasure mechzera is when you're actually adding in concepts that were absent. That's less, less so. Splitting the sentence. Very right. But he's saying we're adding in a detail that you're storing it. That detail wasn't there. Well, the word tarifa doesn't necessarily mean tarifa lehania. So he's saying you're adding that word in. But I'm saying the word tarifa without achela is lehania. What's that? It doesn't mean achela either. True. So we're saying the lion would never kill just for the sake of killing. We're saying that the lion killing for the sake of killing would it certainly would not be shin. It's Abnormal, yes. Yeah, that would be Keren. That would be Keren uh, at its best. I know it's Keren, it's Because it doesn't even kill in order to eat, it certainly doesn't just kill, yeah? Doesn't anybody else have an issue with the fact that a wild animal that's owned by somebody comes onto the private property, who cares what the reason is why it killed? It killed my animal, you're on my property, it should be full, no matter what. It should be a so to a certain extent, not the way you're asking it, on the flip side, we asked that question yesterday. We, we all, I mean, I, a lot of people had the problem. Yamshil Shilomo was asking if you brought it into the public area, where we were saying in the public area, either going to be fully patur, because it's shin, it's pouncing, or it's hatsinezek. Are you kidding me? So just buy lions, and you don't need to support it any longer with food. Just throw it into, onto Avenue U, and you'll be patur. Is it really? I don't know. Quite the opposite. Public domain is going to attack much more. Yeah, so, so the short answer of Yamshel Shalomo, unless you have a better one, Yamshel Shalomo said, no, that we all have a problem with this. However, the Torah and the Hachamim were not really imagining this is happening very often. If it did and began to be, I'm adding these words, he didn't say this explicitly, but we know this from Talmud, if it became an issue, they'd start making gezerot, they'd start imposing rabbinic fines. We're talking about letter of the law and we're talking about theoreticals because it's not actually happening. And you have a lot of those. And yes, if you're the wild, uh, Mars told me, no names, that there's some crazy uh, celebrity who owns lions or tigers or something. You're that wild, uh, uh, yeah, I said some wild person. I talk about people who eat other people's body parts in the class. Anyway, uh, if you, talk, you would just allude to them. If you're that wild guy and you did it, you got away with it. You got this loopholes from it. Often, it doesn't happen often, it still makes sense. It, it, again, it, it makes sense in the 99% of cases. The 1% of cases we didn't take into account or we didn't address because it's not really happening all that often. And if it would, we'd have to deal with it according. Anyway, says the Gemara, that's the first, that's, so that's the uh, suggested answer from this Beraita for Shemuel. Says the Gemara, I have another answer, which is going to be knocked out and then resuscitated. Ravina Amar Kika Amar Shemuel Be'aritarbut Suggestion of Ravina is that Shemuel excuse me, yeah, Shemuel, who distinguished between killing and eating and just eating, was talking about, he was referring specifically and only to a domesticated lion. I don't know. I don't know, gentlemen. I don't know what you want to tell you. I've, 
I, I didn't realize how much I was going to get killed for this Gemara. What you, yeah, I, you know, I'm used to getting killed for other that. Yes. In theory, if a person were to go to that thing called the circus, they would see this domesticated lion as well. No. Okay, that's what our Mishnah talked about. Our Mishnah said there are realities of domesticating wild animals. Again, I, so no, real life, I can have my wife and train Is that not a reality? I mean, I, are there not domesticated, uh, 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 what's it called, um, uh, elephants in the circus? I mean, not any longer. Uh, I don't know if any of this exists any longer. It certainly was in the Curious George books. I mean, there was such a reality. I, I, I'm not. I'm not an animal trainer, but it is such a. Alan wants to know how a lion specifically. The lion, which is in Bishutanizak, he doesn't care whether he was no. According to Bitafon, it is. We're posek like hachamim. It's not hayafa. Kerem Bishutanizak is the same as Kerem Bishutarabim according to hachamim. It's going to be explicit Mishnah later on. We saw it on Daf Yodalit that just returned to us. Now, that's what the Tosafot was referring to. It was only to be Tarfon. You're right. The Tarfon holds that way, which, as everyone has made clear, it's to a certain extent what he's asking as well. Uh, it's on someone else's property. Yeah. According to the Hachamim? Nezek Shalem, fear Bitarfon. Bitarfon is Nezek Shalem, he has a Kalvahome. The Hachamim say the Kalvahome doesn't work out, they have a technicality, it's called Dayol Baminadin Yotkinidon. The logic would be that it's uncommon. That would be the logic, that even though it's on someone else's property. Can we say that the line is forever? Mishnah told us that, absolutely. But the so, so that brings us back to the conversation of yesterday. An Ari, a Namer, a Bardelas, etc., all Mu'ad immediately. However, Shimuel, and we explained it based on Tosafot, qualifies only if they do their normal pouncing. So it's Mu'ad, not like a human being who's Mu'ad, no matter what you do, you're liable. It's Mu'ad if it pounces and eats while it's alive. Then you don't need three warnings. If it pounces, kills, and then eats, if it just attacks and doesn't eat at all, that we call tam. Yeah, you could become a mu'ad, but you're not mu'ad immediately in such a situation. What if you don't know how it kills? What if you don't know? If you didn't see it, you wouldn't know. Which means to say, if you don't know and you're coming to collect from me, I'm going to give you the minimal amount unless you can prove otherwise. It says the Gemara, all right, so that being the case, says the Gemara, Ravina Markika Mashmuel Ba'ari Tarbut, Ve'alibadir Bilazar Damar Lavorche, in our Mishnah, Jared Bilazar told us this something called, and keep in mind, there was Rabbi Bilazar, not everyone agreed to such a reality, like you. Um, so Rabbi Bilazar told us there is such a thing as a domesticated animal, and that's what Shemuel was talking about, says the Gemara, and that in turn answers why the Biraita says Nezek Shalem, the Biraita was talking about an undomesticated animal. You don't distinguish between how it just, uh, kills or doesn't kill and eat. You're going to be Hayav entirely. Our uh, Shemuel statement was talking about Damascus. It says, Gemara, if that's so, if that's the case, then why does it need to be, excuse me, if that's the case, if we're dealing with, according to Shemuel, a domesticated animal, so then why are we distinguishing, if that's the case, why are we distinguishing between Tarfa and Darsa? We should say, we should say even when it was Doris, which means it didn't devour, it didn't kill and eat, it just attacked and ate, you should be Hayav. Lefishimuel, you are Hayav. 
שמואל תולדוס דרס האיחד, רש"י, איחד אפילו דרס נמל לחייב, אלא ודאי דרבינה לא עד שמואל. One more time, לפי שמואל, when I'm dealing with an ari ברשות הרבים, דרס ו... Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. According to שמואל, if you were דורס, if, uh, if the animal attacks and... Uh, if the animal is דורס, it attacks and kills, uh, what's the halacha? Excuse me, one more time. If the animal in רשות הרבים, לפי שמואל, I confused myself over here, attacks, doesn't kill and eats, but it's ברשות הרבים, what's the halacha? Patur. Why are you patur? Because that's the normal way of attacking and that is called shin. It's birshut arabim, you're patur. Of course, Yamshel Shilomol, Alan were unhappy with that, but that's the reality. But according to this, if you're telling me that Shimuel was talking about domesticated animals, then it's abnormal. If it's abnormal, you should be hayav if it happened birshut arabim. You should be hayav nezik, hatsi nezik. It should be considered kerin. If I'm talking about a domesticated animal, according to Shimuel, I don't understand the reason to distinguish between how it attacks and attacks and kills or doesn't attack. Everything's abnormal. You should be hayab and shoot arabim hatsinezik. It's not shen any longer. Now it's going to be considered kerin. That's, that's what... Uh, what's that? Mabanif. That it doesn't attack normally, you ask. No, no, no. He's asking, how do you quantify a circle? Okay. Okay. Uh, Judah, as a real rabbinic Jew, wants quantified information. You need to tell me how many tests. I don't know. Uh, it's a circus animal. Ella says the Gemara, rather, so we can't, we can't suggest that's what Ravina was doing, resolving the words of Shemuel. Ella de Ravina lava de Shemuel itmar. Rather, Ravina must have not been talking about Shemuel. He was instead talking about the Beraita Ela Amatnita Kitane Matnita Beari Tarbut Valibadir Bilazad Amalav Orhe. So the statement of Ravina in our last twist in this Gemara, where he distinguished between, based on Bilazar and Amishnah, domesticated lion or non domesticated lion, he was talking about these words of the Beraita. What were the words of the Beraita? The Beraita told us that if the Ari in Arashuta Nizak went ahead, killed, and then devoured, he says, that was talking about a situation where the animal either was... Or, either or. Was either or domesticated or not domesticated. No. The Beraita is talking about where the animal, you're ahead of me, where the animal is domesticated. And therefore, uh, therefore it's not its normal fashion, and therefore you're going to be hayav. Says the Gemara, Ihache. Therefore, says the good question. Says the Gemara. If that's the case, you shouldn't be hayav in full, which is what the Beraita told me. You should be hayav half. Why should you be hayav half? You're talking about a domesticated animal. That's not normal. You can't tell me to be tarfah. His norm is to not kill at all. It's to not eat at all. It's to eat only the food that I give it to. Give to it. It means that it's not muad immediately. So it's a domesticated animal which we assume is not attacking for food. It's instead being handed food by its owner. 
Let's say it like that. Well, that being the case, if, if it says the Gemara, then how come in the Beraita, which apparently Ravina was referring to when he told us that we're talking about a domesticated animal, it says that you're paying nezik shalim, you're paying full damage. It should be hatsi nezik, domesticated animal. It's abnormal to attack. Answers the Gemara, it must be that the case in the Beraita was talking about the following. Listen carefully. A domesticated, more than once, three times infractured lion. At this point, no matter where, no matter how it's going to be hayav says the Gemara if that's the case so effectively what you're suggesting is the Beraita is talking about a case where you have a domesticated animal which entered into my property ate my uh, cat and it's going to be hayav nezik shalim because it's his fourth time doing it but the Beraita, remember what we said earlier on the page? The context is shin. The context is not that it's doing something abnormal, it's doing something very normal. It should have been taught in the context of Keren. By definition, when it's a domesticated animal, anything it does to another animal is abnormal. It's called Keren, says the Gemara Kashya. We have a difficulty resolving the words of Ravina. Okay, it doesn't mean that Shimuel is knocked out. As a matter of fact, I told you yesterday, we're posek like Shimuel to distinguish when it comes to lions. Not much nefkamina for you and me, uh, but we're not really dealing with lions. But the words of Ravina in his final statement where he was talking about this and referring to a domesticated animal, he can't be referring to Shimuel, can't even be referring to the Beraita. We don't know how and why Ravina said it. There's, of course, a real irony in that. Ravina is, we imagine, understand, last generation Emoraim. It's rare that you're going to find Ravina's words. We don't know what he was talking about. He's one of the editors of the Gemara, but that's the way it worked. The Gemara finishes this and says, some generation after Ravina, we know he said this. In this context, it resolved something. We can't figure out what. Kashya, the Gemara, ends with a question on him. All right, that being the case, we're done with lions. Uh, we're back to Shortam and Shor Mu'ad, and this Gemara, for a while, is a lot lighter, so everyone could uh, sigh of relief. Uh, yes, go ahead. You can't say that it's something that happens not often if you're telling me that he's saying that it happened three times to be the fourth time where they take fall. That, that's a contradiction. It's a contradiction, but you never heard of, uh, you know, there was, a, there was this bison in Yellowstone Park, National Park, and for 100 years, 80 years old, it never attacked a person. All of a sudden, within a week, it attacked four times. Never heard of such a thing. Got deranged. Something went wrong with it. That's the case. Never heard of such a thing. You haven't, you haven't sat next to Morris in Tefillah. That's why you haven't heard about it. <laughs> It's reality. I don't know. It goes wild. I, it was domesticated. All right. It, that, the lion's off the derech. There you go. Anyway, says the Mishnah. Again, the Mishnah will bring us back to familiar concepts, and then there's somewhat of a light gemara uh, with derashot and things that are a little bit easier on the mind. Says the Mishnah, Ma ben tam lemuad. At this point, we're familiar with these words. We even know the answer to this question. What's the difference between a short tam and a short muad? We know these words from the rabbis. We know some of them from last week's parasha. Uh, but what's the difference between an animal which... This much we're supposed to know even without the Mishnah telling us, gored three times, or an animal, and it's the fourth in fracture, or an animal which is uh, in its first three times. Ela shehatam mishalem hatinezek migufo, umuad mishalem nezek shalem in ha'aliyah. The difference between the two is A, with regards to how much you pay, half or whole, and B, with how you pay it, in other words, the value of the animal which damaged do we take that into account? If it's a short tam, and the short tam is worth $1,000, but it does 
$3,000 damage. How much is it paying? You'd say $1,500. Absolutely not. Not a dollar more than its value. $1,000, that's what we call migufo. When it comes to a shor mu'ad, who cares? It was worth $1,000 and it cost... Uh, $10,000 damage, you pay the $10,000. Those are the two differences. Again, half are full. And uh, second difference is, will you go above the value of the damaging animal or not? Says the Gemara, my aliyah. What did it mean in the final words of the, final word of the... Never. That's what it means, mi gufo. Halakhal ma'aseh. Mu'ad doesn't matter. That's min aliyah. Says the Gemara, what's that? Says Gemara, my aliyah. What does it mean in the final words where it said that the mu'ad pays minha aliyah? What does that word mean? Aliyah sounds like an attic. What does aliyah mean? Answers the Gemara, Amar bil Azar bin It means the highest value of his lands. Meaning, idit. We know that word at this point as well. It means, don't get nervous. I told you it's light. It means highest value land. That's what it means. That's what the word aliyah means. Says the Gemara. In truth, we can point to that word aliyah or something similar to it in Tanakh and explain to you that it means highest value, highest uh, regard. And similarly, the Pasuk says about the death of Hiskiyah, which is an important king of ours. So he's being laid to his final rest together and next to his forefathers. So the Pasuk says that he was buried, not next to his father, who was not a very good man, Ahaz, but rather next to Ma'ale. What does Ma'ale mean over there? Does it mean he went up? No, it doesn't mean he went up. It means he was buried next to important people. Who are the important people? David and Shilomo. It means that the word Aliyah, Ma'ale, is a reference to high value, high esteem, as opposed to something physically high up in the air, per se. So again, explained what did that pasuk mean what did it mean when the pasuk said he was buried in the top it meant next to the top what's the top the elite figures who are the elite kings David and Shilomosh the elite in the family who were they David Ushlomo now that we're talking about burial of kings let's talk about the burial of another king this next pasuk will be dealing with Asa, Melech Yehuda. The Pasuk says about him, Vayikberuhu bikvurotav asher kara lo be'ir David, Vayashkivuhu bamishkav asher mile besamim ve zanim. Pasuk says that they buried this Asa in a burial plot which was filled with besamim, easy, spices. What does the word zanim mean? What does that word mean? What is that? Oh, interesting. Food. Neither one of the suggestions in the Gemara will be that way because it fills you in some way. My bisamim vizanim. What does it mean? Spices and this uh, mysterious word, zanim. I, I really appreciate, Jesse, that your mind didn't go to you know, where my mind, where the Gemara's mind went. Rabbi Lazar Amar, first answer is zine zine. Zine means uh, an abundance. There was just a lot of spices there. So the, for reference to the word zanim was to a lot, an overabundance. He went to this burial plot. It didn't smell. It actually was beautiful with regards to 
the high the, of the very much and the, the, the high quantity of bisamim that he had placed there. Bishmuel bar Nachmeni Amar bisamim shekol hamariach bahen bali de zima. Zanim is a reference to zenut. Zenut is sexual promiscuity. Uh, the good smells, anybody who came in contact with it, who had that odor enter into their system, they were almost inspired to uh, sexual promiscuity, to wrongful sexual encounters. Uh, it, it smelled that good. It was that potent. It was uh, a description in the Pasuk. Okay, then the Gemara continues. We're still talking about Pesukim with regards to burials of kings. The Pasuk says uh, with regards to Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu talks about people who he had rebuked and didn't want to listen to him, and they didn't treat him well, and his reference with regards to these people is Kikaru he says they, they dug out some sort of a deep pit in order to trap me, and they placed uh, you know, traps to ensnare my feet, uh, to catch me as well. well. What was he referring to when Yirmiyah describes to the, peop the people who dug this deep, this deep ditch or pit to catch him in? The reference in the Pasuk of this deep pit was not per se to an actual physical pit. It was rather to, and we're going to refer to it in the Pasuk, to an entrapment situation. He was entrapped. They suspected Yirmiyah of sleeping with a woman who was a wrongful woman. A woman who's a zona, the Torah refers to us, is a person who, a woman who slept with a man who she was forbidden to. She now has the designation of zona. As Tosafot here points out, Yirmiyah was a Kohen. And in being a Kohen, a Kohen is forbidden to have relations with a zona. As a result, their claim about him was, you got stuck in that deep ditch, in that deep pit, means you, we know, slept with a zona. Rabbi Shmuel ba-Nachmeni amar she-hashtuhu me-eshet ish. Similar, along the same lines, it's not per se that they actually dug a pit and threw him into it. It's rather, they suspected and said, you got ensnared, you got stuck in the deep pit. What's the deep pit? A woman who's already married, that's who you're sleeping with. Maharsha comments on this Gemara, he says, yeah, that's right, Yirmiya is saying that people said this about him. Maharsha points out the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin, maybe on Daft Tzadizayin or so, says a similar, similar thing about Moshe Rabbeinu. That's an interesting thing, that Moshe Rabbeinu was Hashaduhu, Rashi quotes it ala Torah as well, uh, for sleeping with uh, other women, as did Yirmiyahu. Is that what we say always about our great leaders? It says Maharsha, both Yirmiyahu and Moshe, in terms of their prophecy, were at a state where they separated from their wife. Separated from their wife in a very unique and out-of-the-norm situation. And it was for that reason, the people who saw that they separated from their wife and rose to such a high level, that's where the Hashad came in. If they were living with their wives, they wouldn't be such a uh, suspicion of the people. Yirmiyah and Moshe are those. Says the Gemara, let's try to understand these two opinions. Moshe, Bish Moshe. What's that? They said Eshetish with Moshe, <laughs> not, not Zona. That's the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Bishlam Alamanda Moshe Hashaduhu Mizona, Hainu Dichtiv, Ki Shuha Amuka Zona. Says the Gemara, if you're to tell me that the suspicion was and the claim was that he's sleeping with a Zona, well, look at the Pasuk in Mishle. What does the Pasuk in Mishle say? Shuha Amuka Zona. A deep pit, and this is the parable, is just like a Zona. <laughs> you see, deep pit. 
deep pit is the words Yirmiyah is using. He's referred. That's the way people refer to Zona. They're a deep pit which you get caught in. If it's a, a reference to they suspected Yirmiyah of sleeping with a married woman, why the reference to a deep pit? Why a deep pit and a married woman? Says the Gatu Eshetish Zona. Answers the Gemara. Do you think that an Eshetish is any different with regards to the prohibition of a person sleeping with her? It's lower. It's certainly higher in terms of severity than a zona, which means to say they refer to this woman like a zona. She's worse than a zona. She's a married woman. It says the pasuk. You know, God, that they willed, they wanted all the people. Says Yirmiyah about himself. You know, everybody they cast dispersions. They had this wild witch hunt against me. They were all this fake news against me. Says Yirmiyah. You want to know what they were looking for? My death. Who gets put to death for sleeping with what type of woman? A man who sleeps with an eshet ish gets put to death. A man who lo alenu sleeps with a zona doesn't get put to death. His reference in the pasuk, you know that the people wanted to put me to death. It's because of eshet ish. That's a great proof that that was their suspicion. Why did Yirmiyah say they wanted to put me to death? Answers the Gemara because they physically threw him into a pit which was filled with mud. They caught him in a pit where he was going to die. We have Pesukim, which suggests that's what actually happened. Lastly, says the Gemara, Darash Rava, Maidichtiv. Now that we're talking about Yirmiyah, let's talk a little bit more about Yirmiyah. Let's notice a Pasuk in which Yirmiyah uh, uh, remarked. Yihiyu, he was talking about the people of Anatot who were also giving him problems. He says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Yihiyu, they should be Muchshalim lefanecha be'et apecha asebahem. They should stumble in front of you, and during your time of anger, God, do to them. Oh, what's this re- reference? Yirmiyah speaking in code words. How do we decipher them? Amar Yirmiyah lefnei Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Ribono shel Olam, Afilu b'Sha'as she'osin tzedakah, Hachshilem b'Bnei Adam she'enam mehuganim, Kedei shelo yekabelu alehen sachar. The words on the pasuk are Yihyu muchshalim lefanecha. They should stumble in front of you. Tosafot points out that the word lefanecha is supposed to trigger in our minds a pasuk which says vehalach lefanecha. The Pasuk says, They should be lefanecha. What's that a reference to? Tzedakah. What's that? In the time of giving tzedakah, of doing tzedakah, give them a stumbling block. Yirmiyah is begging God that even, says the Gemara, even as they're trying to do good, these wicked people, even as they're trying to redeem their soul, make certain that you send them in the wrong direction. Give them the people, uh, I hear you, Yirmiyah was not exactly the same personality as Moshe. He says that even while they're trying to give tzedakah, make certain that they give it to the wrong people. There is a difficulty with this Gemara. There is a difficulty with this Gemara. If I accidentally gave tzedakah to the wrong person, I don't get tzachar on that, we generally speak and quote from Rabbeinu Yonah Masech Berachot, I think on Dafnun Gimal, and others that you do get Sachar, perhaps the reference over here is you should send them people who are notorious for being not good guys. And they'll nonetheless give them an order to make themselves look good, which means they won't be able to redeem themselves. Lastly, says the Gemara, Now that we're talking about the death of kings, all right, well, to continue with this next time, the death of Hizkiyah. Amen. Amen. Amen.